Okay, hello, welcome to episode 256 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, full disclosure before uh, I get into this game, I did not watch this game. <laughs> I, I simply uh, was busy today, couldn't make it in time, uh, make, it a, make it home in time to actually catch any part of the game. So uh, this episode, we'll change things up a little bit just to kind of make up for it. I've tried to compile as much as I can from uh, Twitter, from the beat reporters, James Ham, Sean Cunningham, Jason Anderson, and also like mostly, you know, most of the tweet, well, some of the tweets from, you know, actual Kings fans on Twitter. And then I did my own research, watched the highlights, watched the recaps, uh, read the box score, but I cannot confidently say, I, I will confidently say, I am not going to be able to cover everything about this game. However, to make up for it, I will talk about other things. Um, you know, um, talk about some articles, even. Shout, you know, shout out to uh, the Kings Beat and uh, some other news around the league, just random stuff. Why, why not? Just to kind of make up for this, because, yeah, the, the quality of this review is not going to be the same. Sorry about that. But uh, with that out of the way, um, let's talk about it. Let me just type something real quick. Okay. All right. So um, from what I gathered uh, for the Spurs and uh, Kings game, game was pretty much a shootout for uh, much of the game. This is a problem that the Kings keep running into, especially, especially against bad teams. Against good teams, uh, it's a little different because against bad teams, they come out flat a lot of the time, and like the offense is is can be hit or miss. But what is always seemingly a miss when they play against bad teams that their defense is not going to be there. They take them lightly. They don't play as hard. The communication isn't there. The rotations are a bit off, and they let the other teams get a bit comfortable. I read a stat from I think it was Jason Anderson that I think, the, I think the Spurs were shooting, I think, either 21 of 28 or 20 of 28. It was like something like 70, 70% in the first quarter. But it, in the, in this game, the Kings, I guess, were... Do you want to say lucky? I don't think they were lucky, but like they were, they were actually keeping up with the Spurs. They were also scoring because, again, the, it was a shootout, so the Spurs weren't exactly playing any defense at all either. They let the, let the Spurs get comfortable to the point where they let the let the Spurs take a lead going into halftime. Like, they actually, like, let them go on, like, I, I want to say, like, a 5-0 run or, like, a 7-0 run or something like that in the, to close the half. It did not look good for the Kings. But the Kings came out firing in the second half. You know, they, they, kept, they kept running their stuff. Their offense was, for the most part, fine. They weren't playing much defense in the first half. However, in the second half, they turned it up on defense. How... And also, you know, while turning up their defense, they also were able to maintain their offense for the most part. They ran their stuff to a T, but on the other side, they were also getting stops. And they maintained that throughout the second half. Um, and then, you know, the Spurs just kind Spurs kind of started to cool down a little bit. And then they never turned it up on defense. And that was basically the difference within the game. You know, it, in the it, even in the fourth quarter, I think the Kings took a 12-point lead going into the fourth quarter. The Spurs actually shot back. They cut the lead to, I think, four at one point. But, you know, the Kings just kept punching back. Like, De'Aaron Fox, is, De'Aaron Fox, I believe, scored 11 of his points in the, in the uh, fourth quarter. He, he had a bit of a... 
you know, considering he only scored, uh, let's see, just judging from the, just seeing that he only scored 23 points, like, yeah, he needed to turn on in the fourth. And again, he's become, he's a, re- he's becoming a reliable scorer in the fourth. He is always going to do something in the fourth quarter. Granted, the, you know, this stretch of games, it's been on, ba- it's been with bad teams, but he has, le- he has legitimately become one of the best fourth quarter scores in the game. And even though he didn't play all like crazy well in the first in like the first three quarters, he definitely turned it up. And, you know, and then Davion Mitchell, like I'm hearing a lot of love from him, Mr. DPOG this game. Um, you know, he played he always plays good defense. If you just watch some of the highlights, like he was just all over the guards. And he had he even had some moments where, he, you know, he got he got scored on. But that was fine because he's playing some damn good defense. He's disrupting the offense. And, you know, and in this game, he scored a lot. He was also he was a, a number two and plus minus this game, plus 20 with 19 points, four or five from three, seven of eight from the field. So, you know, it's just one of those kinds of games where, you know, your two stars, they're always going to step up. Like Sabonis had 18, 18 and eight. It just seems like he always is stuck on eight assists. But yeah, like he Sabonis is going to bring it. Fox is going to bring it. And, you know, you need about two and a half more. You need basically need about six players, six and a half players to show up. And the other players, Harrison Barnes, um, Trey Lyles, Chemezi Metu, and Davion Mitchell. And, you know, it's becoming a theme. It really is. And, you know, in a game like this where, you know, there is there just isn't that much defense being played. You, yeah, you just turn up a little bit of the defense and you run your offense to a T, and like you know, you have guys showing up. Kings are gonna win some. Kings are gonna win quite a few of these games. I don't know what the point of that was. Like such a jumbled mess. I don't know where I'm going with this, but my point is, when you get performances like from role players like Harrison Barnes, 29 points this game. Uh, Trey Lyles, 12 points. Chimezi Mento, eight and 19 from Davion Mitchell. Like you're probably gonna win a lot of these games, and if you just play a smidge of defense, I think you'll be fine. And in this, this is kind of what this game was. You, you had guys show up on offense, and then you play just enough defense to kind of wear out the other team, and they never really get it going. And that, yeah, that's basically kind of my recap from Twitter uh, about the game and just watching the highlights. Um, you know, it's it it's it's good to see that the kings are just you know really finding a groove now i know it's against bad teams like you know two against houston and then this one against the spurs there but this is kind of how you get a rhythm you know you like um this is a weird ass uh, um kind of reference to bring up but like the longest yard like adam sandler like the reason why they played the prison team or or why he had the prison guards play you know a team that he assembled is it's, it's a tune-up game you need a tune-up game to get their confidence up and to kind of get their rhythm going. You know, no disrespect to the to the two teams I'm talking about, but like these are tune-up games <laughs> in a way. Like you need to get ready, you need to find find an identity, and you need to just get comfortable so, so that once you go up against the better teams, you're just ready. You know who you are, and you're gonna play your game instead of like kind of lolling around out there and kind of feeling out the rhythm. You know, the king the kings have an identity, I feel, right now established. They're a high octane. I mean, it's been their identity, but like they've kind of I feel like they're more comfortable with it now, like just playing it for the past few games. They're a high octane offense and they can turn it up on defense when they need it to. And 
It's a formula that has got them to the fourth to the fourth uh, seed in the in the West right now. And there's and because other teams are just all over the place, they're starting to build some momentum. They're starting to build a, the tiniest bit of separation. We'll, we'll see if they keep it up in the uh, in the game against the Lakers on Wednesday. The Kings are going to get a pretty long rest. We'll see how they handle that. And you know they're it's going to be interesting how they're going to you know how they're going to uh, how they're going to like how they're going to go going forward. Are they actually going to like separate from the pack even more? Or because how mediocre the the West is, especially below them at this point, you could say that now below the Kings. Like this is this is a, this is an interesting crossroads for the Kings. Like you know they win they win the Lakers game. Like they're gonna build more separation, or you know it's de- depending on what the other teams do. Like depending on what the Mavericks do. Like this is where you really start. Re- really kind of where you start to start to really play. F- you know, for not play for something. What am what was the word I'm trying to like? This is where you really kind of establish yourself in the Western Conference. And I'm not saying you. I'm not saying that they sh- they can take it easy for the rest of the rest of the season. But like they, you know, they 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 are building themselves some breathing room, like in case like something something you know happens and like they start dropping games. Like this is kind of this is kind of where you build you. Essentially, uh, what's the word? Not cash in games, but like this is where you stack some games, and you know we'll see. We'll see what like how they how they do. It's gonna be interesting. All right. So just to go a little bit more in detail, let's just kind of quickly quickly go through the um quickly go through the box score. Uh, Sabonis, as I mentioned, 18, 18, and eight. Again, it's gonna bring it every night. He's just he's just doing so much. He, he apparently he did struggle against Jacoperto watching the highlights you know that's why highlights are not reliable it looked like he dominated Jacoperto but Jacoperto is a big dude and Sabonis tends to struggle with big dudes because he can't go through them he's gonna have to like you know get into his bag a little bit more but you know again he's still doing his thing scored 18 points got 18 rebounds and eight assists so just I just wish he got more triple doubles because it just feels like he gets eight assists every single game and like I don't know if it's like at like going into the fourth because that's what feels like it happens like he, he's going into the fourth with eight assists and he ends with eight assists it's but w- w- whatever like still just a, pr- a steadying presence he always is going to show up and do his job and you can always you know pencil him in for a double double and he's i believe he's at 32 double doubles um in in the league i believe he leads the league in d- double doubles with 32 32 and you know they've only played 40 games so he's gotten double doubles in 32 out of 40 games that's rarefied air right now so you know again just he he is the mvp of the team and he is irreplaceable um harrison barnes uh, on an absolute tear tear lately you know 29 points a game high plus 22 9 for 11 from the free throw line Uh, 8 for 11 so he scored 29 points on 11 shots 4 for 6 from 3 He's really he he's starting to heat up, and we'll see if this is like something he's gonna maintain because he's had a really let's just say iffy start to the season. Um, like it, you know he was what shoot, he was shooting what thirty nine percent from three last year, and for much of the season before this stretch, he was shooting like what thirty percent from the like from the three just he like it's one of the things that I, I just kind of gave up on him being Mr. Reliable is like 
when he shoots a three, I just don't ever think it's going to go in. But it's been going in lately. He's maybe finally starting to find his stroke. Maybe things are just like finally coming together. I don't know what I don't know what was going on. Maybe there was an injury there, just maybe just weird shooting luck. But he's kind of busting out of his funk. And yeah, whenever he scores like this, like twenty nine points, it's gravy. Like it's just he's really that. That's what makes him one like one of the more sought after guys in the league, and why the Kings haven't traded him for so long because he's that he's that steadying presence. You can you can you know go to him to like you know draw a foul and just you know as as a as a pretty reliable third option. I just wish he did it more, but like I gave up on that idea from last year because he was the third option last year and just didn't work. He just wasn't aggressive enough, but. Like if he's gonna play like this, this is like this is kind of where you, you look at Harrison and you just ask, hey, uh, how hey, what do you want on your extension? <laughs> we'll give it to you right now. So, anyways, he's been great lately. Just you know, I, I hope this is just something like just something about regressing to the mean and just he's playing better now. So last 15 games, he's 17.9 points a game, 4.5 rebounds. Could be higher. 1.4 assists. You probably want more assists, but this is not his role. 1.1 turnovers, which is pretty good. Like, that's not a lot at all. You know, the assist to turnover ratio, not great. It's like one-to-one, -one, but he doesn't he doesn't turn over that much, so it's not a big deal. Um, 40, 49% from the field, 45% from three, 81% from the line, 81.6% from the line. Like, he's been great. I, lo I love it. Keegan Murray, just con... He's just kind of just fitting in like 12 points today. Um, for, you know, four for nine from the field, three for seven from three. Like, you, you know, you talk about a guy he, like Barnes, like for like uh, pretty much this whole season, whenever he shoots a three, I, I just don't think it's ever going to go in. When Keegan Murray shoots a three, like, you know, with the exception of that slump that he went through, I think in December, like I always think it's going in and he, you know, He's young. He's going to he's going to figure stuff out and you know, it's a lot to ask a young guy to just fit into an offense like this. But that's what he's been doing. And like he doesn't force anything. He's just exists within the offense and he cashes in on opportunities that he's given. And you know, he will be better in in the future. I am interested in seeing how he continues to get better throughout the season, but he's just been he, he's been really good. And you know, it can be overstated just how good he is like at, at this age. Um De'Aaron Fox you know, Mister Mister Clutch had what twelve points going into the going into the fourth, ended up with twenty three. You know, apparently him and Jeremy Sohan was like talking talking a lot and you know just trash talkings and apparently apparently got him going. He had a pretty mean dunk in the fourth, like you know just you know turning on the Jets and dunking on Jeremy Sohan. So that must have felt good. But yes, Mister Clutch and just the other guy that you can always depend on producing and. You know, when him and Sabonis produce every single game, like you, you need you, you just need a few, you just need one or two more guys to you know give you a big nights, and you're and you're basically guaranteed to win. And you know, it's good to see that Fox is kind of finding his groove. And you know, I don't know if he's going to make the All Star team. Sabonis is, is probably a lock because like I don't see any forwards like really being better than him. Like the only I mean like Lowry Market and Mike probably will sneak will get in there. But like the AD stuff, he's missed too many games for me. I know he was absolutely incredible when he did play, but man's missed too many games for my liking. So, you know, I think I think Sabonis should be a lock. 
and but De'Aaron, it, it's going to be tough just because like he, you know, the 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 guard the guard position is so stacked. Like you, you know, two guys that are going to get in, you know, before him are going to be Steph and Jaw. And then you have Shea, who's probably gonna, who's probably a lock at this point. And then you know, there's guys like Dame, even though he hasn't played that much. Like you, you get in, you kind of get grand, he kind of gets grandfathered in almost. Um, there's like who, who who's an, who's another one on, on the West? Fuck, I can't really think of another one. But like, there's a lot of competition, is what I'm trying to say. And it's gonna be tough for him to get in. Although he definitely has a very, very strong case. And you know, keep up, keep up this like clutch scoring in the fourth. You might win the Jerry West Award. So there's that. Kevin Herter, like Kevin Herter, first game back, it felt like he played a lot better. Well, according to the highlights, which again deceiving. But uh, I, you know, he he's just kind of fitting within the offense, even though he didn't shoot all that well. Like he still found ways to score. You know, his first game back, he's probably still trying to get into rhythm, but just existed within the offense. Um, Trey Lyles. Four for four from four for from the field, like he's continuing to kind of car, kind of just produce out there and just try not to do too much. He had a really nice and one, um, like where he just kind of spun the ball in on a reverse layup. It was beautiful stuff, and you know he's kind of becoming he's becoming a reliable bench guy. Like in the past, in how in the past few games, I'm trying to look on Willsy to see if there's like a stat with just Trey Lyles. I don't see it, but. Yeah, like Trey Lyles has been a re- really reliable guy coming off the bench. And, you know, it, it's really good to see him kind of carve out a role. Um, Chemezi Metu, like talks being about carving out a role. Like he he had he had a few really few really nice dunks. And, you know, he's out there to just kind of fill in for uh, Sabonis when he's not on the floor and just try to do the best he can. And I thought he did well enough, like eight points, five rebounds. Just... You know, he just knows how to fit into this offense. And, of course, I didn't get to watch it, but, you know, it's just good to see him be able to carve out this role and, like, to see kind of the feel he has for the game. Because when you look at, like, a guy like Rashawn Holmes, not to, not to even pile on him, Rashawn just doesn't fit into this offense. But Chemezi just knows just knows where to be. And, you know, credit to him, because I didn't think at the beginning of the season he was going to even be in the rotation. And, honestly, before he got back into the rotation, I was even thinking, like, Maybe they should wave him and, you know, keep a, a Chima. But, like, you know what? Chemezi, Chemezi is producing. He he deserves to stay on this team, and he deserves his spot in the rotation. Um, Casey Alpala plays, plays some defense out there. No no stats whatsoever except a minus seven. Um, yeah, again, didn't watch the game, so I didn't know what he did. But I assume he played some defense. Davion Mitchell, seven for eight from the field, four for five from three, um, to 19 points. You, and you can always count on him playing some damn good defense. And whenever he scores, it's an absolute bonus. And boy, was it a huge bonus and also crucial that he scored as many points as he did because they needed an extra guy because Malik didn't seem to have it this game. So somebody had to produce, and Davion stepped up. Uh, Terrence Davis got, got a few minutes. Didn't seem to do much. He did have one steal. Malik Monk didn't seem to, or, or actually he did do some, like two points, five assists. There's a playmaker out there. Like even when he's not, if he's not scoring, he he'll find a way to kind of make make stuff happen with with his pick and roll passing. You know, a bit bit of a weird minutes distribution, only 15 minutes. So, you know, it, I guess Davion just kind of took his minutes this game, and you know, like still he was able to produce when he was out there. Five assists in 15 minutes. That's really really good. Okay, just quickly kind of gloss over the Spurs lineup. Jeremy Sohan is he he's he's a glue guy. 
And, you know, if the Kings had, like, another pick, I definitely would have loved, like, having him on the team. You know, he was he was apparently talking trash to De'Aaron. Got, got him fired up. Young fella, you got to learn that. Uh, Kelvin Johnson, just the, you know, just the just kind of the primary, kind of the number one option. You know, inefficient this game, but, you know, he did show up on the highlights a lot. Jacoperto, 10 for 12. He's a good player, and it'll be interesting to see if he stays on this team past the trade deadline because he's a guy that a lot of teams should be calling about. Uh, Trey Jones, seven for thirteen for sixteen points, good, good for him. Um, Romeo Langford, one for three. I'm just shrugging. You can't see me, but I'm just shrugging. Zach Collins seems to be built on just a guy that you always hope would be really good, but just seems to be good at pissing people off nowadays. It seems to be what he's known for more, more often than not. Stanley Johnson is on the spur. Is that Stanley Johnson? Let me see. Yeah, Stanley Johnson is on this team. That's interesting. He He's a fine enough player. Like, he's always one of those guys I thought would figure something out. He figured something out with the Lakers last year, but it's too bad they had to trade him for Patrick Beverly. But it, it is what it is. You know, like, if he... I mean, granted, I don't think the Kings... The Kings need like a rim protector, and he's not that. So, and I don't think he would. I don't think the Kings need to sign him. I'll just say that. Um, Josh Richards or George Gorgie Jank. There we go. I was about to say something else. Gorgie Jank play one minute. Cool. <laughs> Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson is interesting. He's always one of those guys that I don't think it has any offensive value, but he every time he plays the Kings, maybe it's a Kings name. Always shoots really well. Four for six from three, eight for 13 from the field. He'd be an interesting guy to keep an eye on um, in the in the trade in the trade market. He's a good player. And you know, if he wants to if he wants to be traded like to a contender, like I, I guess a, I guess a team could use him. Um like I gotta think of a team like, you know, uh the Warriors, maybe? Like that that wouldn't that honestly wouldn't hurt, you know. Um Malachi Brant Branham. Um 22 minutes, two for six. Good. Uh, Blake Wesley. Apparently, there was a, there was a lot of talk. Uh, there, I see. I saw him mentioned a few times, like uh, on my timeline. He was two for three for five points. So I, I don't know. Well, he had a nice move, I think, uh, or he had a nice cut. I think it was specifically to like cut behind uh, De'Aaron, but that's about it. So I don't know. Probably maybe an interesting guy to keep keep an eye on. Isaiah Roby didn't play. Isaiah Roby is a guy that hurts the Kings all the time. And Bates Diop, I don't know what happened to him. He he torched, he hurt the Kings uh, last game, uh, the last time they played him. So yeah, it's kind of weird he didn't play. All right, going into the next game, it's gonna be the Lakers um, on Wednesday. It's gonna be a long break. Again, we'll see how the Kings handle that, but it will be interest. It will be interesting how they handle the Lakers. The Lakers just lost to <laughs> Philly and just. One of the most rust things, I mean, granted, he had a mismatch. Um, for those of you that, that, that don't know, um, the Lakers lost to Philly by one on the final possession. Lakers get a stop down one, they come down. Russ has Joel Embiid on him, des- decides to attack a fumble, kind of fumbles the ball on the dribble, and then uh, t- tries to attack again, and basically just gets his shot blocked. He apparently did get fouled by Joel Embiid you know, superstar calls that happens. But, you know, the fact that, you know, he attacked and didn't even give it to LeBron, just LeBron didn't get a touch on that final play. That's tough, man. But despite the loss, despite the fact that I think they lost the three in a row, um, 
let me check. Yeah, I lost the last three, basically since the Kings game, uh, where they score 136. Um, like, despite this loss, I will say, Lakers have been a tough team lately. Like, their losses, except for the Nuggets one, they've all been really close games where, you know, execution down the stretch kind of cost them. So, despite the fact that they've lost three in a row, this is not, not going to be a walk. Like, a, they're not going to be, a, what's it called, a pushover. They're going to fight. They have, despite what, what people say about, like, you know, Russ. Like, he is talent. He is he is an, he is a very good player. LeBron is one of the greatest of all time, who's still a very effective NBA player. And they can give they can give the Kings a lot of problems if they don't show up like with the right mentality. Like you got you I mean, granted, yes, the refs played a part, but that was not the reason why you lost the game. They punked you in the paint. Let's see if they make the adjustment. I am very curious to see how that specific game turns out. So all right, well, yeah, they faced them on Wednesday. Uh, they're going to have a long break. Let's see if they, you know, nail down some little details along the way and hopefully get a W um, against the Lakers in Los Angeles. I believe that will be the last time they play. Let me check. How do I check, actually? Let's, let's check the schedule. Uh, just quickly kind of glance over it. It doesn't look like they play the Lakers again for the rest of the season, so... Yep, make make a statement. Take them down three one in the regular season, and maybe we face them in the play in somehow. If we somehow get the first or second seed. That be that would be incredible. Okay, all right. So, um, just so to kind of change things up for this episode again, didn't watch this game, so I do want to make it up to you guys in in a different way. So we'll talk about just um just an article that um James Ham came out with I think yesterday or maybe like today. Um, his King's Beat um, pot, his King's Beat newsletter. So subscribe to you, subscribe to that newsletter if you can. If not, I will uh, read you. Well, we'll just kind of break down this article for you. So he wrote about a uh, Demontis Sabonis, kind of being the centerpiece, how he's changed the DNA of the Kings franchise. Now, just just some uh, stats. Uh, so when he's on the court, uh, the Kings have. The Kings, let me see. I have them written down here. So here, here's here's one here's one stat. When the Kings are uh, or his when the Kings are uh, when Sabonis, Jesus Christ, what, what was that? That was just oh my god. When Sabonis is on the floor, the Kings offense is 121.8. When he is off the floor, it is 110. So if for those of you that can't that can't do the math, that is eleven point that is plus eleven point eight when he's on the court. When he versus when he's off and if you include the defense in there he's a plus 12.6 overall he's third in win shares behind only Jokic and and uh Luka and here's some here's some other here's some other stats he is a uh, 11th 11th in the league in assists his assist assist percentage is 29.7 and 20th overall only with a usage usage percentage of 20.6 to give you just a little bit of comparison, I believe Luca is around the same. I think he's higher um, assist percentage, but like his usage percentage is ridiculous. Like these are kind of Tyrese esque numbers. I think Tyrese's assist percentage is a lot higher just because he he has the ball a little bit more, but his usage is like somehow about the same. He's not like you know Tyrese level, but it's in a different way. If that makes any sense. Um, here's some other stuff. Let's see. Let's talk about. There was a stat about rebounding. I can't um can't find it right now. Let me check. 
Well, anyway, the, the point is Sabonis so is very, very important to, to this um very, very important to this uh to this Kings team. And yeah, he basically ever since he's walked in, he's really kind of changed the Kings' fortune. Now, of course, like they still lost quite a bit, even even like with him last year, but you can you can kind of point back to you know some of the surrounding talent around him. And the fact that he only, I believe, played 13 games together with with Fox, if I remember right. Yeah, not it's just uh, there just wasn't a big enough sample size. But yeah, ever since he's walked in, he's you know he's been a real like you know with all like the on court stuff, like the like the numbers. What cannot be discounted is just how much of a leader he can be, and. You know, he's constant. like, there was, I believe it was one of the games they lost. I forgot which game it was, but it was, but it was one of the games they ended up losing. And, but there was a kind of mic'd up segment that they were doing. And you could just see how much he talks on the court and just how much he directs and how much he leads. Like, and, you know, you see, like, sometimes he's, you know, getting on guys. He's like, he's basically just yelling at Keegan. He's yelling at Malik, he's yelling at Davion. Like he he is a guy that demands accountability in in a way that just doesn't you, you just didn't see. Like, you know, De'Aaron as good as he's been, like, you know, it, it, it's it's time to accept he's probably not that kind of leader who's gonna get on guys the same way that you know Sabonis can. And you know, he he's always and as I mentioned, he comes to work every single game. And he puts in he puts in his hard hat. He always does like his job to kind of like lift the kings to just to basically lift the kings to a certain level of competency to the point where you know they, they just need a, you know a good game from Fox, a good game from uh, like someone else, and they have a great chance of winning that game. He is the foundation of this team. I'm still trying to find I'm still trying to find that rebounding. Okay, on the glass. Okay, so as a rebounder, Sabonis is the best defensive rebounder in the NBA. He leads the league in defensive rebounding percentage at 31.2% and leading the league in rebounding in 12.5 uh, rebounds a game. Let me just check the stats. Is that actually leading the league? Yep, it is indeed leading the league. He is averaging more rebounds, uh, 0.6 more rebounds than Giannis. Well, really? Giannis is grabbing them boards then? Jesus Christ. So, so to talk about the rebounding, the team currently ranks fifth in the league in defensive rebounding percentage at seventy three point seven and fifteen rebound and rebounding percentage at fifty percent. Last season, the Kings ranked twenty second in defensive rebounding at seventy one point four percent and 29th in rebounding overall at forty eight point four percent. So you can, I guess, you can rewind this to get the exact numbers. But the the fact of the matter is. He has, he has, you know, he is kind of the rebounding force that has kind of changed the Kings on that end. I remember the first thing I noticed uh, from him last year is that just how he clears out space when he rebounds. Like, like looking at a guy like Damian Jones, you know, no, you know, no, no disrespect to him, but he was a guy that, you know, every now and then he would kind of box out a guy, but like he he wouldn't like straight up command space the way Sabonis does it is what I call it like he would he could like out jump a guy for for a rebound but he wouldn't like he wouldn't be able to stop a guy from getting to a spot to rebound he would just rely on just out jumping out jumping that guy but when Sabonis came in he 
he boxes out and when he boxes out no one is getting into his space at all and then when no one is getting into his space basically no one is even really reaching up to be able to actually grab the rebound against him because they know they can't push him out of the way to grab the rebound so like he's just an effective rebounder and you carry that over to this season and you know, every you talk about like bringing in every single game. The man fights for rebounds so hard, and there's only one or two brutes in the league that can actually like overpower him. And you know, every single game he he brings it on the on the rebounding end, and it's basically Mike Brown is literally begging for literally anyone else on the team to just grab some rebounds because he has to do so much work for this team, and he is undoubtedly the best player on this team and the most important player on this team and the MVP of the team. Like James Am details it with a lot with a lot of stats, but again, the leadership, the production and just the how that he's been able and just the transformative effect he's had on the offense, the defense. He's not even a good defender and he's changing the defense of the team. The team isn't like the team is like slightly worse with him off the floor, but because of just how good like how much he means to the offense, he just propels this team, you know, to the fourth seed, the, to the fourth seed the, this season. And, you know, this is all before, t- you know, talking about the fact that he has a broken thumb right now, you know? Like, the man is playing with a broken thumb. He's playing his heart out for this city, for this team. He knows about the 16-year drought and how much, you know, making the playoffs would mean to this team. And he's putting it, he's leaving it all out there. And, yeah. He he deserves all the flowers. He deserves his all-star nod. And he deserves a big old contract. Not this offseason, because they can't give it to him this off this offseason. You know, you hope that things kind of go go right like next offseason. And he's able to sign for big money. We'll we'll see how things change then. But yes, he has very much changed the DNA of this of this Kings franchise. He he is basically alleviating the ghost of Kings past from, from the Kings. And, you know, like, you just hope that, like, he keeps getting better and the team around him keeps getting better. And, you know, the the Kings find success these next few years. Okay, well, that brings me to my other, um, to my other point uh, that I want to talk about. So talking about how Sabonis brings it just about, every, just about every single game and, you know, like they're begging for anyone to get rebounds and and just play and just play their role and to just provide something when he's not on the floor and you know Mezzi like the guys like it's not even an indictment on like Mezzi not an indictment on like Kada and even Rashawn or Alex Len who just hasn't got an opportunity like Sabonis is just that much that damn good that they simply can't even hope to replace him but that brings me to my point should the Kings seek a trade to, you know, find a piece that could maybe fit in? Like, is Mo Bamba the move? Like, you know, I, I've I've listened to some podcasts. Like, you know, you know, King like local Kings podcasts have well, specifically the Kings beat and even some of ESPN thirteen twenty. Although it's a lot of James Ham pushing it too. The Kings do need something like from the center position, and they're just not getting it from their center rotation right now. And with how crowded the the West is, yep. Like if you if you hit a slide, and it's because of like your center lineup, which it very much could be. You know, 
you know, you're gonna look back like once past once it's past the trade deadline, you're gonna look back at it, look back as like, why didn't you make a move to get you know a, a real backup for Sabonis? And I was just saying, like, you know, at, at a certain point, like how much of this is sustainable? And it do you think that someone within the Kings with, within the roster is able to provide that? It was supposed to be Kata. He just simply isn't ready yet. So is it does it make sense to trade for someone like say Miles Plumley or Mo Bamba to just kind of fill in for one year and then you know you see what Kata's got next year? I, I just I think at this point, like if you're really serious about like making a real push for the playoffs and kind of really establish yourself and help home court advantage, you're gonna need to make that little trade. And you know, local local podcast podcast, Jesus Christ, I'm losing it. Local podcasts have talked about like, you know, they might, they probably do need to make a move, but national podcast said they don't need to make a move. I'm on the, they need, they probably need to make a move, but they, but like how national broadcasts have talked about, they should be cognizant of how it affects the chemistry. You don't want to screw up the chemistry right now, because right now the chemistry is pretty much as good, as good as it's going to get. And you know, the vibes are really are just really flowing. They're really good right now. So do you want to do a move that may or may not work, but worse, but you know, you're taking the risk that it might upset the chemistry like a little bit and even a little bit that could really mess with the team. So Monty McNair is going to have to weigh those options, but you know, I, I would say they need to make one trade, like a, a small trade. If you can get, if you can like, you know, sneak yourselves into a deal and just nab a player, go for it. Like, you know, this Kings team does still need a backup for Sponis, and I don't know if, if it's coming from within. And, you know, the only other way you're going to get it is probably, because I don't think you're going to get anything like that on the buyout market. So your choice is probably to make a trade. And we'll, you know, it's, you know Monty McNair is going to look, and I hope he does find someone. But like a guy like Mason Plumley, like James Ham has sold me on that. <laughs> like it, it would be tough to play them together, but he's a perfectly suitable backup to Sabonis. And, Maybe you could play them together. Maybe we could see more left-handed shots. It's, it, I, I am I am just sold on that left-handed shot from from uh, Mason Plumley. Is it Mason or is it Miles? I think it's Mason. Okay, that's going to be my take on the trade um, front. Okay, all right. Let's get into just some quick news around the league. Um, Jalen Green and Jayshon Tate um, are was suspended one game, or it was announced that they were suspended one game for their role, quote unquote. In the uh, in the altercation between Garrison Matthews and Malik Monk, because they got suspended because they walked onto the court during the altercation. Now, if you watch the if you watch it back, they simply just walk. They literally just walked past the line. They simply walked onto the court. They weren't escalating anything, and they didn't even they didn't do anything really. And unfortunately, they're suspended. It's stupid. I fucking hate I hate this rule because the like the most infamous moment is what the Steve the Robert Ori Steve Nash hip check and like from just what you hear like they the Amari Stoudemire and I think Boris Diaw got suspended one game and then you look back at it it's like what did they even do they you, you would have thought like they actually like they ran onto the court and tried to beat the shit out of Robert Ori but that's not what they did they literally just walked they took a step onto the court and then they were suspended. And, you know, that basically ruined that series. And this and it basically put a put a kind of a, a little bit of focus onto this rule and how f- stupid 
it is because they didn't do anything. Like, you know, Jalen Green and Jay Sean Tate, they didn't escalate anything. They didn't de-escalate anything. They simply just kind of watched out and tried to de-escalate the situation even. And now they're suspended. And it's it's a really stupid rule that I think they should really get rid of. It's a really stupid technicalities rule. Like, the league office reviews this garbage. And, like, you know, sure, letter of the law, whatever garbage. There should, like, when you're in a live game, like, sure, there's going to be human error and you're going to get it wrong every now and then. But this is after, this is like after the fact that, you know, the, on the league office, they there's there's a team that reviews this kind of stuff. They can tell, they, they can probably see that they had no involvement in the incident. They had no involvement in escalating or de-escalating the situation. They simply walked onto the court and didn't do anything. And unfortunately, they're suspended for that. And... You know, after the fact, you can review this stuff. Why do you still have to stick to your stupid rule? It's stupid. They should really get rid of it. And I do I do feel for Rockets fans a little bit because this is ultimately some grade A bullshit. Okay, next thing we're going to move on to, just the Warriors. What the fuck, man? I, 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 of course, I didn't watch the game. How do you give up 40 points to the Bulls? What the hell is going on with the Warriors? It's halfway through the season. At a certain point, you just got to look yourself in the mirror like, what in the fuck are you guys doing, man? This is awful. Like, what is going on, man? Like, you guys got to be better than this. Like, I'm not 43 from Vooch. Wow. Sure. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what the hell? It, well, I, I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore with the Warriors. Are they going to Are they gonna win the championship at this point? You know what? I'm I'm not ready to go out on them yet. I think that there's a I think there's a, there's a switch they can flip. I don't I usually don't believe in flipping the switch, but when you're a championship team, you can do it. But boy, you they're making it hard to believe in them right now. I'll just say that. Andrew Wiggins four for thirteen. He needs to get back into rhythm. Like Clay eight for fifteen from eight for fifteen from three nine for twenty one. I don't like the shots he takes. He still takes some bad ones. I assume he took some bad ones. I don't know. It just seems to be a thing with him. But yeah, like they're just they're, they're just not playing well, and it's getting harder by the day to believe that they're ever going to do anything. We'll see what happens. Um, okay. Well, yeah, I already talked about the Russ and Russ Lakers uh, last possession. So okay, no, I'm I'm actually out of the topics to talk about. Um, so yeah, this will actually draw close to the end of the episode. Uh, I will save the 49ers versus Seahawks for when Fong comes back. He should be back soon. Probably by next episode because we have a three day rest in between. So, yeah, so we'll be, so yeah, we'll come back um, on Wednesday and, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll be with me. If so, we'll be talking about the 49ers win over the Seahawks. If not, I guess I'll give my thoughts. Um, nice, good, good job, 49ers, for getting into the playoffs. That was the wild card game, right? It wasn't an official playoff game. I'm not sure, but hey, Good, good on you guys, 49ers. You've made Jason Jones into a 49ers fan now. <laughs> He's wearing 49er gear. So, you know, all the vibes are good in 49er land. So congratulations to you guys. Maybe you guys win the Super Bowl. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, okay. Well, that's it for me. Uh, sorry for missing the game, but hell, I try to make, up, make it up to you. And hopefully you guys liked what I did. Uh, yeah. So 
we'll catch you guys back on the next one. And hopefully Fong will be with me and the way that sentence was structured was weird. But yes, uh, this is the end of the episode. I'll see you guys on the next episode.